leadership is changed in 21st century and i want you guys to have the fastest the quickest i mean the newest information about it that's why i brought Todd, doctor actually dr todd dewitt one of the world's leading personalities in leadership incredible tedx speaker inc top 100 speaker and guy who can deliver enormous keynotes just killer keynotes and in that podcast we discussed why leadership is the best right now how can you stay in touch with it and why it's just better than than the last century leadership there are really too much topics and i don't want to waste your time so I suggest you just right now stay a bit and listen to it listen to the new episode because that call was just amazing and i hope you're going to get a lot of value from it because i did see us in my network it's all yours all right okay it's recording okay Todd. i want to say one big welcome into the podcast man i want to really i'm really excited to actually <clears throat> listen to you because you're going to drop some massive value bombs but before jumping into more important desires uh, can you tell us something interesting about yourself? Uh, interesting. Well, um, I think I'm living the American dream. You know, I don't, I don't work for a paycheck. I actually uh, have started a successful small business. And, and outside of being a parent, that's the most interesting, fun thing about me. So why don't you, why don't you dig deeper into your personal journey, your story? Can we dig deeper into that topic? Of course, of course. So I'm on what I would call my third career. Uh, I started, I went to, to undergraduate at the University of Memphis and then grad school at the University of Tennessee for an MBA and, and started working with big consulting firms. So I worked for Anderson, which is now Accenture, and I worked for Ernst & Young. And I learned a couple interesting things while working for these large consulting firms. I learned that I find business fascinating. I learned that I find relationships fascinating. Uh, I also learned that I didn't fit in traditional corporate jobs at all. So uh, I decided to quit and went and got a PhD from Texas A&M University in organizational behavior, which pretty much makes me the business school's version of the shrink. <laughs> so I study people at work and what makes them, how great leaders get things done. So that was the second career was being a professor in publishing research and teaching courses. I love that job. I, I thought I would do that forever, frankly. And then, uh, you know, I know you already know this, but, but life has its own uh, plans for you, I guess, because a few years into doing that, the phone started ringing uh, and people started asking me to speak at events. Uh, usually it was former students and they would say things like, hey, I remember you're loud and funny and we've got a meeting coming up. Would you come out to the meeting and tell some stories? And I did that. Uh, and then one day some guy offered to pay me $300 to give a speech and I was floored because I couldn't believe someone would pay you to tell stories. <laughs> but apparently that's a job and I started taking it more and more seriously and uh, eventually I had to leave uh, academia so that I could focus on speaking and writing full time and that's what I do now. You mentioned that you value re relationships, but how can we build lasting ones with business partners, you know, entrepreneurs, other people? Well, it's a great question, and there's many, many, many answers to it. Uh, I'll, I'll give probably a, a good 
simple, short answer. The key to building relationships is about having something of value to exchange, first of all. Uh, but beyond that, that, that comes down to your expertise. I mean, what, what minimal thing are you bringing to the relationship? But then beyond that, the quality of a relationship is about a, a lot of uh, psychological things. Hey, how much do you uh, help the person show support, show kindness? How much do you bite your tongue and listen more than you talk? Um, those are the things when you look at great work relationships, those are the things that always stand out. They're not defined by just hard work or expertise. They're always defined by quality communication skills, great conflict management skills, uh, great supportiveness and helpfulness. Those are the characteristics that tend to define productive relationship. So I, I scroll down into your post and I saw one about growth. Why does growth hurts? Yeah, interesting question. So uh, the truth is, most people don't even know what that means because, well, we don't we don't strive enough to grow, improve, evolve, and change. I think there's a, a large minority of people that really try to do that. Now, for that group of people who do set great goals push themselves harder and aspire to be something more. Well, what they find out is that it's never easy and it always requires pain. And what I mean by pain is, well, you're, you're going to be pushing yourself into learning new skills. You're going to be pushing yourself past your current limits, which means you're going to make more errors, which means people will look at you funny. All of these things are required to really become something bigger than you currently are. So the question is not really do we know how a person can endeavor to grow as a person. We know that. The question is, is that person willing and able to endure the challenge, the pain associated with growth? Depends as we go. Yeah, man. I believe we have to cut short some real some people to be honest to grow. Actually, I mean, I'm not saying I'm the expert, but some people don't support what I do, so I just cut them really, really short. I'm not cussing them, but I cut them like you know some butter. <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. If you're trying to do anything abnormal or anything large in terms of goals. And you, you, you will, you absolutely will have people who do not support you. That's not the question. The question is, what do you do about them? And the best short answer is ignore them. Don't let them have time in your life. You've got better things to do. Your, your experience also in leadership. But what do you think makes a good leader? Well, lots of things. We're kind of in a transition Right now, I think uh, really an interesting transition, kind of an old way of thinking about leadership is uh, what we used to call the command and the command and control system, which is, you know, hey, we're, we all work in a hierarchy at work. I have a boss. My boss tells me what to do. I follow directions. I get it done. Uh, that's a very old, antiquated way of thinking now. The emerging dominant kind of uh, idea about leadership is very much about collaboration. It's about people being on the same team, not focused on the hierarchy or status or titles or our differences, but much, much more about what we have in common, the shared purpose and shared goals that we have, and how we can listen more, help more, and collaborate more instead of just having bosses who bark orders. So the, the dominant idea today is really kind of a servant leadership-oriented view of leadership. The idea 
is not that someone's better than someone. That is not a useful concept. Uh, the idea is that we're supposed to be in this together to get it done, and that's much, much more useful. Which skill set in today's year and for the next years do you think is the most important? A, creativity, B, critical thinking, or C, soft skills? Well, geez, that's an impossible question. They're all wonderful uh, skills. There's research out there about how they are all very valuable, very necessary for sure. But if you make me pick one, I mean, normally I would say soft skills because it's, it's kind of my area. But if you make me pick one, I'm going to pick creativity. And here's why. So my first love as a scholar back in the day when I was still a professor was creativity. That's what I studied. That's what I published on. And I'm fascinated by it. Now, over the time since I first started studying that topic, well, the world's changed in the last 25 years and technology has, has started to move in interesting directions and really starting to replicate tons of human skills. So a lot of people who are in that space uh, are starting to say that, you know, creativity is really the thing that we have if we can, if we get comfortable with using that skill, if we get comfortable developing that skill, that's the really, that's the, that's the job skill you can't replace with, you know, technology of any kind. Now, I think that's probably true. And as a result, that's probably the best answer to your question. Well, it does, man. Because I love that you actually think when you say that question, because I want to make the guests think about it. Yeah. I mean, the best question is the one where you actually think, and you have also thinking. Okay. But for now, I, do you think of yourself like a good leader? Someone who, you know, can inspire people, work together, not just motivate, because I, I mean, I love motivation, but sometimes it's just overrated. Do you inspire your workers, your team? Well, I don't have a team. I have myself and my wife that run my little company. Uh, so basically what I do is a little bit of training in organizations and a whole lot of keynote speaking and writing books and making educational courses for LinkedIn. So uh, the short answer, though, I am a professional motivator, but I am not just that. Uh, I'm an educator, so I've been a professor for years, and then I started creating courses, thankfully, with the amazing team at LinkedIn. I don't know uh, if you know this part of my, uh, my career. I'm very lucky to have this part of my career. But uh, in about seven, seven or eight years ago, something like that, they discovered me, and, and I discovered them, and we started making movies together, educational courses. And now the platform called LinkedIn Learning is the world's most preeminent uh, online portal for learning almost anything. And in the business section, I've got, well, almost 40 courses at this point that have been viewed by millions and millions of people in over 100 countries. So even though I am a uh, professional motivator for one part of my job, I'm very clearly a highly trained, educated and still a, a practical educator as well. So I like the fact that I have both of those. As we talk more about education, do you want to change? Do you want to change it? Do you think that our educational system just overly sucks? <laughs> yes, uh, I can't speak to uh, where you are, but I can only speak about the US and you have to break it down just a little bit to answer that question. So we've got kind of kindergarten through 12th grade, that is to say elementary school and high school in the United States. And there's a bunch of research out there 
And the result is a little scary. Uh, basically, we have a very mediocre system and uh, we, we don't, our, our kids, in terms of standardized tests that can be taken by other children in other countries, our kids uh, measure up very mediocre in most areas, very poor in some areas, and, and in almost no area I'm aware of anyway, do they somehow lead the world. We have a, a weak and certainly a massive opportunity with a weak education system to improve it. Now, at the college level, uh, we are still one of the biggest destinations in the world. It's true in the last 30, 40 years that we've created an oversupply of colleges and degrees. Uh, we have so many places now calling themselves colleges or universities, printing out degrees left and right for jobs that don't exist. That's actually starting to uh, get back in line a little bit because everyone in the U.S. has recognized that not all degrees are created equal. But there is a lot to brag about for the states in terms of the best colleges we have are clearly still considered around the world to be the best on the planet, not just in the United States. So uh, the problem is not our colleges per se. The real problem is elementary through high school. And the short answer there is that well, we teach kids to take standardized tests. I don't know how much you take those where you're from, but kids here are trained to take these tests and we don't give them uh, a lot of flexibility, autonomy, ownership in their educational process. And we have questionable materials. And if someone hears me say this, I might get in trouble, but we very often have questionable teachers. Uh, we're not known as a university system for creating oh my gosh, awesome teachers who then go into the classrooms and teach kids. It's really, uh, it's really hit or miss. So when you put all those together, uh, I'm amazed sometimes that our economy in the U.S. continues to be one of the uh, interesting economies around the world, given that the average person has gone through a terribly mediocre educational process. It represents a huge opportunity. And I'll tell you this, not that you care, but I'm going to tell you anyway, it's really sad right now for me watching the, the unfolding political system in our country because they're about to start the next presidential um, election cycle. And nobody, I mean, nobody is talking about education. So as far as I'm concerned, it's issue number one and our country is not paying attention to it. I mean, it really is like Rio. It's for every country, not just you know, the United States. Sure. It's, I mean, it's just a global problem which makes it kind of worse. But like you said, we have a long destination, but we can get there. We can definitely get there. But what do you think the new aspiring entrepreneurs are missing right now? What do they like ignore? That's interesting. I, I, I have a fairly standard answer to that, but I really do mean it. A lot of young uh, aspiring entrepreneurs think that if they can identify a great market gap to address, that is to say they've come up with uh, an idea that really fits a, a need that's not been met in the market, they think that's kind of the end all be all. We can go make some money now and have a successful company. It's not true. Uh, even if you've got the, the best idea for a new product or service or technology, whatever it is, if you've got the best idea in the world, you have to go interact with a large variety of people to make that idea uh, actually work as a business. You're going to have to have a relationship with bankers. You're going to have to have a relationship with employees you hire. You're going to have to have a relationship with customers. You're going to have to have relationships with the vendors who give you various products and services that your company needs. 
there are many people involved, not just you and your idea. So once again, believe it or not, uh, how quickly and how effectively you can get your idea into the marketplace often comes down to the quality of the relationships involved in you trying to execute the idea or put it into action. To put in the work and the action, I mean, taking action. I know it's, everyone says that, but to be honest, I support it, but it's easier to say than to do because some people, they're just afraid to take it. But even if they do, they're afraid of the, you know, the outcome. How can they be fearless about it? There's not a simple answer to that. I mean, it's a great question. It's not, there's not a simple answer to it. I've talked about this. I've written about this many times. So one of the outcomes that drives me crazy about our educational system is that we create kids who are fearful of failure as opposed to what we're supposed to create, which is kids who want to learn, try, explore, experiment, and continue learning. So we put this negative framework in their head about failure. You don't want to displease your parents. You don't want to displease your teacher. You don't want to make bad grades on the exams. And children really learn a lot from that process. So then they become young people or however, however old they might be, and they think about entrepreneurial efforts. And they say to themselves, maybe I have a good idea. Maybe I could uh, really make this company uh, into reality. But you know what, I'm not gonna do that because I don't think it's worth the risk. I don't wanna lose the money. I don't want people to know that I'm trying something risky and I don't want them to watch me fail. Uh, and as a result, simple fear of failure stops people all the time. So how do you make someone fearless? Well, there's not, uh, to my knowledge, there's not an easy answer to that question. I can, I mean, if I was coaching someone, which I've done many times, I would tell them, listen now, failing and learning uh, as a result, are necessary, are good, and and it's a skill you can get used to. Now, what I mean by that is when you put yourself out there and you try something and you fail, and a lot of people see you fail, that's going to be embarrassing. That's going to hurt a little bit and in big deal because when you do it again, try hard, try hard, push hard, and fail, or maybe have a small mistake or something, it's not going to hurt as bad. You'll start learning and getting back on the horse, if you will, quicker because you're getting used to it. You're getting comfort with the process. So I always tell people, you've just got to start trying. And if you're not failing once in a while, you're certainly not trying hard enough in life. Uh, I really mean that. So I don't think that you create people who are fearless. There are a small number of people born with personalities that make them somewhat fearless. But for the average person and the average entrepreneur, you're never fearless, but you can get far more comfortable uh, with the fear that's naturally involved in being an entrepreneur. That is a realistic goal. Well, man, to, I'm with the audience to complex answers, but they are still real. Even though it's a bit of complex, I'm not going to lie to you. It's a bit of complex to actually swallow, but it's true. Uh, talking about, you know, entrepreneurs and all that jazz, do you plan on writing your own book about it? Like general entrepreneurship, leadership, anything like that? Yeah, so I've got a couple books already on the market. One's called The Little Black Book of Leadership. And it's kind of a, a basic 101 take for, for the young emerging leader on what leadership is all about. So that's been out there for a few years. I've got another book called Show Your Ink, uh, which is a book of short stories uh, that's been out there, very popular, and it's just stories about leadership and life lessons. 
Um, I'm about halfway through with my next book, which is a book on relationships. And then I've got three or four more planned at least. Uh, one of them, I'm not intending to write one on entrepreneurship per se. They're all going to be uh, leadership and self-improvement, self-help related books. That's kind of my niche. Huh. Self-improvement. Can we talk more about it? How can we improve ourselves to something? You know, set our mindset to do it and just do it at the end and make it happen. It's a good question. Uh, easier said than done. I can tell you that. So the, the short answer is that people can start to get motivated for various types of personal improvement if they have the feedback that, that shows them who they really are. Now, here's what I mean by that. Most people have an image of, them, of themselves that is positive and productive. And it's, it's biased. That's a thing that humans do to stay feeling okay about themselves. And the truth is that how people around you, your friends, your colleagues, your parents, your boyfriend, girlfriend, et cetera, how they view you is always different than how you view yourself. The only question is whether or not that gap is large or small. So the goal for self-improvement is to be feedback seeking, to go find data if you can about that gap. And you do that through conversation and by empowering people to give you honest conversation. And then you listen more than you talk and you find out how others view you. And believe me, sometimes that can be painful. You might not like what you learn, but you certainly can't start to optimize yourself without at least understanding how other people uh, view you. So that's, that's one part of the answer. And the other, the other part of the answer is really straightforward, simple, classic, which is find out the skills that are needed to help you go achieve the goals that you want and then start reading, blogging, getting a coach, going to school, whatever it is, whatever resource you can get your hands on to build those skills. But both of those, the self, self-help from the perspective of feedback and understanding yourself and then the simple logical deduction of figuring out which skills you need to accomplish the goals that you set. I mean, getting clear to your goals really like the massive thing right now. And many people advise us to do it. But like you said, it's easier said than done. Yep. I mean, trillion dollar question. Mm-hmm. You have to ask it. But no, there's someone told me advice like get your one month of your schedule to actually ask yourself 10 or uh, 20 minutes per day, what is my purpose? And it actually could help. So I'm planning on trying that, but I, I mean, I just, I have to do something truly. I just can't sit and ask myself such things. <laughs> well, I would tell you that whoever told you that is on to something and maybe, maybe you should try it. I think the issue here is focus. Some people have more self-motivation than others do, but in general, every moment we have people talking to us, we can hear cars driving by, our phones are making noises. We are constantly uh, distracted and you really really won't focus the, the tip he gave you or she I don't know who it was gave you uh, is about attempting through thinking about purpose to gain focus so you can actually reach goals quicker that's the idea well man thank you for that after you say it too I'm really planning on doing but still just a little bit of thinking <laughs> and then better better of <clears throat> okay so we talked about anything from entrepreneurship to leadership, but I want to see what was your experience when you were like a kid. Did they saw your leadership, you know, like vibe? 
coming up. What kind of kid were you and student as well in high school, elementary school, I'd say? So I was, uh, I was always a leadership type of kid for the most part. I was, a, I was a, more of a leader than a follower, I'll say. Um, but certainly I could do both. Yeah, I played sports. Uh, I stayed active. And, and then really I was a good student, not a great student. And then I had a weird experience in high school, believe it or not, that turned me around and put me on the path that I'm on now. When I was in high school, I was playing basketball for the varsity team. And, and you know, I was well-known, fairly popular, and was making uh, maybe a, a B average. And it was just kind of coasting along. And, and something strange happened. I had a girlfriend uh, who was very smart, and her sister was very smart. And uh, they kind of ribbed me once in a while uh, about, you know, them taking advanced courses and me uh, not, et cetera, et cetera. And, and their, their studious behavior, their hard work, their smarts really rubbed off on me. And I kind of wanted to see how far I could push my brain and could I compete with them and other little ideas started hitting me. And so my senior year in high school was the first time, my last year in high school was the first time I really got serious uh, about grades and started making straight A's and realizing uh, wow, I, I can actually push my, my brain quite far. And then, of course, college began, and I started overachieving as a normal, a normal way of, of behaving. So I was a normal kid, lots of energy. I had leadership roles, and I was a decent student, and I did not become a great student, really, until college. Okay, we came to the, one of my favorite parts of the interview, which is, do you have any general or personal advice for me? Anything you wish to say that you want to share? Sure. Uh, I would say keep trying ideas that seem almost absurd or too large. Hey, it, you know, if someone told you, uh, I mean, if you told someone, I live in, uh, where do you live? West, Eastern Europe right now? Yeah, Bulgaria, Eastern Bulgaria. Europe, correct. Gotcha. And, and, you know, I think I'm going to do a podcast and connect with people all over the world in different countries. Well, that's on its face absurd for a 14-year-old to do, and you're doing it. So don't ever forget uh, what you have accomplished in this little fun task that you've been doing because it's the same uh, almost childlike willingness to just go engage that will make you accomplish another goal and another goal and another goal. So maybe the best little piece of advice I could give you is to don't lose the simple, awesome enthusiasm you have for an idea when it pops into your brain that makes you want to just go do it because that is the attitude that will make you a really productive adult. Well, man, thank you for that personal advice, but I believe it's really practical for everyone who's starting out just now because there are really a lot of kids who are on my age and want to take entrepreneurship, but, you know, the first step is always the hardest. It always is. Sure. So, okay. That was an amazing call, and I really love the whole conversation. Two more questions, we're going to wrap it up. Okay. Yeah. My first one is... Can you tell us three people you want to see on this podcast who are going to give value to my listeners? Three people that you should have on this podcast. Hmm. Uh, yeah, I can, I can probably think of a few of my uh, LinkedIn learning authors, uh, co-authors, I should say, that were, you know, that we publish courses in the same uh, uh, online learning platform. I can think of Daniel Stanton and maybe um, what's his name, Dave Crenshaw. 
And then I've got a friend here in Houston who might be interesting as well, a gentleman named Chris Westfall. So, yeah, I can think of several people. Uh, can you type it into a Zoom chat and I'm going to screenshot that they search them? Say that again? Can you actually type it into the Zoom chat? Oh, where's the Zoom chat? Let me see here. Boom. Yeah, hold on. There you go. All right. All right. All right. Okay, I'm screenshotting those. And I'm ready to conquer. Oh my god, man. Thank you for that. Thank you for actually referring those people. I'm sure they're going to be value givers just like you. And my last question is okay, my listeners won't be fed up with that knowledge, man. They need more. How can they contact you for more? It's very easy to find me. My main website is www.drdoit.com. That's D-R-D-E-W-E-T-T.com. Very easy. All right, man. Thank you for that amazing conversation again. I really loved you talking here about all, all the things, mindset, self-leadership, entrepreneurship. Just an amazing, colorful, colorful like conversation. And I would love to keep in touch with you. Because My pleasure. My pleasure as well. I'll see you soon, man. And thank you again for coming here. Take care as well. Have an amazing day.